1: Welcome to Happy Healthy You, the podcast where we talk about everything that can help make us happier in body, mind, and spirit. We talk about health and wellness, spirituality, meditation, yoga, all those things that I love and I have a sneaking suspicion that you love too. And here's a really cool thing. Today we're talking to someone all the way on the other side of the planet. Well, down under. So that's pretty much on the other side of the planet. Michelle McQuaid. She's pretty much of a happiness expert. So we're going to tap her expertise. She's a playful change activator, as she calls herself. She's a best-selling author and a workplace well-being teacher. She has more than a decade of senior leadership experience in big organizations all around the world. And she's so passionate about translating cutting edge research from positive psychology, can't wait to talk about this, and neuroscience into practical strategies for health, happiness, and business success. She's an honorary fellow at Melbourne University's Graduate School of Education. She blogs for Psychology Today, Huffington Post, and Live Happy. I love that magazine. It's so happy. And her work has been featured in Forbes, the Harvard Business Review, the Wall Street Journal, Boss Magazine, The Age, and more. Of course, there's always more. Hi, Michelle. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Hey, Connie, it's great to be here with you. It's so exciting to talk to someone from down under. Is that where you are today? I am. I'm in Melbourne, Australia. Ah, It's amazing. You sound great. (laughs) (laughs) Just like I'm next door, the miracles of technology. Oh, it's (laughs) so cool. Yeah, yeah. I've talked to people from like the other, I'm on the East Coast, close to Washington, DC, and I've talked to people on the West Coast of this country, and I don't have nearly as good of a, a connection sometimes. So it's great. (laughs) Wonderful, let's go with this. Okay, so let's talk about this, this idea of positive psychology. I keep hearing it. It's such a positive. uh, Well, it is positive. It's such a uh, (laughs) uh, it's just a popular thing that's happening now. What What do you make of this phenomenon? And what is positive psychology?
0: Yeah, positive psychology is really trying to look for ways to build on what works for us when it comes to health, happiness, success in our lives, in whatever form that looks like, and to be able to grow more of it consistently. Um, It was founded uh, by Professor Martin Seligman back around the early 2000s. And um, Professor Seligman uh, is a very famous psychologist. He had built his career studying things like learned helplessness and depression, and was really finding that after decades of doing that work, although he could help somebody who maybe was sitting at around a minus five, get back to a zero when it came to their well-being and their happiness levels, didn't necessarily help them get to a plus five uh, and what was beyond that. And so he really started asking himself, well, kind of what's beyond being at zero? What's beyond being at okay? And as he looked at it, he realised that really the last century of psychological research and practice had heavily focused on finding ways to fix us when things aren't going well, but not necessarily learning a whole lot about finding ways to build upon what goes right in our life so that we could flourish the way he describes it more consistently instead of just functioning and kind of getting by or instead of flailing during those really difficult times in life. So when it first came out, there was a lot of focus on, well, positive psychology equals happiness. How do we just be happier? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as time's gone on and the research has really built since 2000, um, the focus has really become how do you have the knowledge, uh, the tools, the support to help you navigate the highs and lows of life so that you can more consistently have well-being to feel good and to function effectively and so that's really the aim of positive psychology these days.
1: And the cool thing about that is uh, maybe you can talk about this the implications for uh, for religions which have looked for for ways to help us uh, reach a a deeper sense of satisfaction and contentment for government whose whose really whose role is to provide us with you know the pursuit of happiness and for families and the workplace and even like the future of the planet of humankind and peace on earth i mean what are the implications if we can really Uh, Get down and dirty with this positive psychology and implement it in a large way in governments and religions and corporations as you are doing. What are the implications for this?
0: In my experience, there's no part of my life that positive psychology doesn't touch into in some way. So I have two young boys. It's Mm -hmm. key in the way that we raise them and our families are touching on. Um, It's key in our communities. I do a lot in their school with this kind of work. So um, in Australia in particular, though it is happening in the US, massive amounts of this work now going on in our education system, which is really exciting to see. Um, It's key in our workplaces. It's key in our governments, as you're mentioning. Um, It's key in the society sustainability agenda. And I think the reality is that with all the different challenges and opportunities our world is facing, um, from environment challenges to social challenges to political challenges and the like, um, we need to more consistently understand how to bring out the best in ourselves and other people. Um, And researchers have estimated, um, you know, pretty consistently the last few years, that when they measure us and ask, you know, are you flourishing or are you functioning? um, Are you flailing, less than 30% of us, hand on heart, say, Yeah, I feel like each day I get up and really flourishing in my life. I feel like I know how to bring the best of me to whatever it is I'm tackling and how to bring out the best in other people as well. And I think the reality is, you know, across all those different um, aspects that you touched on, if we're not are flourishing more consistently our ability to tackle those challenges and those opportunities our world faces is somewhat limited so we do see governments around the world looking at positive psychology um, certainly true in parts of the US government as well in Britain for example they are now measuring um, happiness just as much as they are measuring um, GDP uh, so the economy and really looking at policies in government um, in education has been a big one in uh, the UK as well um, in terms of how they implement some of these positive psychology learnings.
1: Mm, Yeah, it's so interesting. I want to talk about, I want to bring it down to a personal level in a minute and talk about some of the basic tenets. And um, you mentioned one of them, just kind of looking at your uh, happiness quotient. What did you call it? Your, your, your where you rate on a scale of one to 10. I just uh, ran a women's retreat called joy camp. And we were throughout the joy camp experience. We would ask people to to rate their level of joy. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning, a lot of people were really, you know, kind of low on the scale. And toward the end, thankfully, everybody had really uh, reached higher levels of joy. And I think that just that question alone is um, very compelling, Because how often do we ask ourselves, how are you feeling? How joyful are you in this moment right now as we sit here, you know?
0: Absolutely. And I think it's the asking and the knowing what to do on the other side, if that number's not where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think having a joy rating is great. I think having a happiness index individually or collectively is helpful. Um, but I have to say, for my own journey, I started down the path of positive psychology because I wanted to be happier, you know, I wanted yeah. to have more happiness consistently in my life. And the idea that there were some uh, evidence based practices that I could use to to get that, um, completely intrigued me and <laughs> was sure. what led me into sure. starting to do research and practice in the field. The longer, though, I've been through those practices, the more I have to say personally, I've realised that while absolutely joy and happiness in my life is important, I don't think that's necessarily the end game that I'm playing for anymore. For me, it has become more about how do I confidently navigate the highs and the lows that life brings to me? Because mm-hmm. the reality is... We all have good times and we all have hard times and when there can be great learning uh, in both of those experiences. And so I think part of the backlash sometimes against positive psychology and rightly so is that if we just all try to get happy all of the time, what do we lose in that experience? Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me and for many now in the field and, and when we teach it, it's really been more about trying to give people the confidence to navigate both the good times and the challenging times in life and really get the learning and the growth and the development that comes from both ends of that spectrum mm-hmm. and knowing how in the moments you need to tap more joy, you can absolutely reach for that. But also perhaps knowing in the moments, say, for example, you know, my father uh, passed away uh, not long ago, knowing in those moments, how do you uh, lean into to the, all the feelings that come with that kind of experience, mm-hmm. the good and the bad experiences, sure. and also learn and get the richness from those moments. Moments as well
1: mm, yes and there's so many rich moments we had a tornado here yesterday that flew well fl- come through and we don't get many tornadoes here on sort of we're in the mid-atlantic area and we had a devastating one come through a small town near me and uh you know there were houses trees cutting through the middle of houses and trees down all over the place and it was such a shock and such a su- su- surprise. And um, mm. Yeah, it just really drives home the point that things can happen at any time. And having some of these tools to really lean upon uh, at those times is really crucial. So I, I, you, you sort of offered me a little segue there uh, when you talked about how you wanted to be happy. Can you talk a, a little bit about your initial entry into the world of positive psychology? What, what was going on in your life to get you involved in this?
0: Sure. Look, I don't think my story is that different from many other people's. And uh, we were actually living in New York at the time. I was working in a big global firm. I was in what I thought was going to be my dream job uh, and uh, traveling around the world. And uh, we had our first child was about four years old at that stage. I was, had a good marriage, good friends, was in good health and was just starting to find it harder and harder every day to find the energy to get out of bed and keep up with the life that I had created. Everything felt a little grey and flat, to be honest, and I couldn't figure out what was wrong. And you know, this wasn't a sudden moment. You know, I think in many ways, when I look back, this moment had been coming for about the last decade, and it had been coming in little fits and spurts. And you know, something, you know, life would feel a bit grey, and so I'd make a sudden change, and you know, we'd change jobs or we'd go and live in a different country or to try and put some vibrancy back into life. And of course, what I was finding is none of those things really stuck. and And eventually I got to a moment in New York where I was really struggling to get out of bed each day and I'd run out of options for what did I do next. Mm -hmm. And having that kind of, you know, truth moment with self of going, well, is there something wrong with me here? Am I just being incredibly ungrateful for the amazing things I do have in my life? Or is this just what being a grown up looks like, you know, by being completely naive to this point to think that life would be any more than these series of obligations with these bright moments every now and then that never seemed to really last. And I remember sitting on my couch one night in New York watching John Stewart in a bit of a fog having my takeaway dinner on the couch and going this professor came on uh, who had released a new book and he was a professor at Harvard at the time his name was Tel Ben Shahar and he was on because his book had been released but also because his course at Harvard had become the most popular course on campus and it was the first time ever in the history of Harvard something was more popular than economics. And the course was positive psychology. And I remember sitting bolt upright on the couch and going, there's a science to how to be happier. (laughs) Why had nobody told me this earlier? And so I think the next morning, I was straight down at the doors of Barnes and Nobles ready to buy his book. And it just opened up this idea that there were all these researchers trying to figure out how we felt happier more consistently, how we lived a truly good life, Um, and what were the little things you could do to put it into practice. And so his book led me to another one, Led me to go and do my master's study with Professor Martin Seligman at the University of Pennsylvania, uh, and then just led to really this new way of being.
1: Mm, how cool! Yeah, yeah. One thing, one door led to the other. <laughs> let's talk about. Uh, well, where is your? Let's just go there. Where? What is your happiness quotient right now? If as you sit here. <laughs>
0: Well, these days, I don't tend to measure my happiness quotient anymore. I tend to measure my well-being. Um, And so Professor Martin Seligman has proposed that in order to have well-being, to feel good and to function effectively on a consistent basis as we go through those highs and lows, Mm -hmm. there are five things that the research has concluded are really quite important to us to cultivate. Um, One is positive emotions. So that's the happiness and the joy piece. Absolutely experiencing heartfelt positive emotions and experiencing those at the Right kind of level. So it doesn't mean getting rid of the negativity, but it does mean having more of the heartfelt positivity generally than we are the heart straining negativity, just because bad tends to stick with us more than the good, unfortunately. So that's the first one. The second is engagement. So feeling really engaged in what we're doing, using our strengths, the things we're good at and enjoy doing uh, as often as we can in our lives and in our work. The third is relationships. More than anything else, what we've seen in the research is that other people matter. So having positive relationships around us is really important. The fourth is meaning. So do we feel like what we're doing is making a positive difference in some way for other people? And the fifth is accomplishment, to be able to accomplish the things that matter to us most. And so uh, we measure, and and I have a free tool where people can go and measure it as well, uh, at permasurvey.com. How are you doing across those different areas of life at any one moment? Um, How does that feel in terms of what you're hoping life would be right now? and are there adjustments that you might want to make in any of those pillars what we find is that most of us tend to do maybe two even three of those things pretty well but there's always something that's not quite where we might want it to be and so that helps to kind of hone that effort about okay well where would i focus my energy and attention a little bit more right now if i was to feel a little have a little more well-being or uh, feel a little happier if we think about it in that language so overall i would describe myself at this stage of life as flourishing most definitely Um, but certainly there have been periods like as we went through the grief journey with my dad passing where flourishing wouldn't have been a healthy response necessarily and so I was very much functioning during some of those months um, trying to be mindful of was I slipping back to flailing and you know what help or support might I have needed if that was the case and and then finding my way back towards this state of flourishing again as some of that healing you know unfolded over time but right now very much in the flourishing. Zone uh, life is good and lots of joy in it
1: <laughs> mm, beautiful beautiful so let me ask you this how does this uh, practice of positive psychology and you, working with these five tenets compare with um, the self-help movement that has been so popular in past years
0: Yeah, look, this is a great question. There's hot debate in it, (laughs) depending on who you ask. Yeah, what's the difference? Um, So the positive psychology field would say, oh, we're very different. Uh, Everything we do is evidence-based. There has to be some research testing an idea um, or an intervention is the way we talk about it "um, before we would recommend it to you. So, for example, we know one of the most uh, well-tested interventions is something like keeping a gratitude journal and writing down at the end of each day what you're grateful for. Um, Now, that, of course, intervention, exists in many self-help books, right? Right. Um, You know, it's not a new idea in any way. Um, And so that's where I would say there's an overlap. Um, I think the main difference is when we suggest an intervention or an idea you might try in your life in positive psychology, we try and see, has the idea been tested or researched somewhere? Now, where self-help and other commentators would kind of uh, argue against positive psychology is to say, well, what's the research really telling? Us. It's great that it's been tested, but tested on whom? <laughs> and why does it work for those people? So I think we have a tendency to look at research and feel like, well, that must be fact, it must be proven. And yet even the best research, particularly when it comes to psychology, is only telling us what works for some of the people, some of the time. And the, the test here is it can help to accelerate our insights and our ideas of what we try. But at the end of the day, you've got to figure out what works best for you, because you're unique, each of us in our own way. And so you've got to play with these ideas, pull them apart. I personally don't like writing a gratitude journal. I find it a really boring activity. (laughs) It does nothing to improve my well-being. So even though it's one of the most well-tested interventions, for me, that's not the right fit. And there are other ways that I like to connect with my gratitude.
1: Okay. Okay. So let's just bring this down to a personal level. I know you work with Big groups and, and lots of people, but to to really ground it into uh, our understanding, if I were to work with you um, and and we were to work with some of these tenants, uh, what would it look like? What would it uh, feel like? Yeah, so and I coach
0: lots of individuals as well as work Mm -hmm. with big groups and generally we'll start by getting them to complete that free survey at permasurvey.com just so we can see kind of where's their well-being sitting at, what are the pillars that are working well for them and more important than any number that comes out of that survey is actually the question, the conversation that unfolds from the question, well how do you feel about those results, you know, do you feel in yourself like you're flourishing, do you feel like you're functioning and just getting by, you feel like you're flailing and really struggling at the moment and based on that which are the pillars that you feel you most want to work on right now in terms of how you might dial it up a little more to get uh, more consistent in the kind of life that you're wanting and then based on the pillar that you would choose there are so many now different interventions that you could try in any of those so let's say you wanted to improve positive emotion Uh, we might look at saying okay how do we put a few jolts of joy uh, into your day a bit more intentionally little moments that we know will intentionally bring some joy to you and let's just sprinkle those in so we can kind of jump a bit more on the heartfelt positivity side of that scale uh, and get some of those uh, positive emotions happening for you, for example. Um, If it was engagement that you were struggling with, we might say, well, let's go and figure out what your strengths are, the things you're good at and enjoy doing. Uh, There's a wonderful free 10-minute survey you can take at viacharacter.org to figure out what your character strengths are. And we might say, okay, well, let's Create a little 10-minute habit each day to use one of those strengths like love or kindness or curiosity or creativity and find a way to help you just feel a little more engaged in life each day. If it was relationships, we might say, okay, well, what can we do to prioritise relationships a bit more in your life right now? Who do we need to be making more time with? How can we help you really be genuinely connecting with those people? Um, if it was meaning, we might say, okay, well, how can we put some more meaning in the most mundane tasks you tackling each day? What gives you that sense of purpose? And how do we reframe all this little stuff that you might be struggling with to find the purpose behind those tasks? And if it was accomplishment, we might look at, okay, well, what's getting in the way? What are the beliefs perhaps that are holding you back from accomplishing what matters most? What are the stories of self doubt that you're telling? And perhaps how can we gently start to challenge those stories? And if they're really true, or perhaps if there are some alternative explanations that we missed as we grabbed a very thin slice of reality to explain what was possible or why things were happening.
1: Okay, I like that. I like I like how you broke that down. I would like some examples of some jolts of joy. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great place to uh, just explore a little bit of that. Can you can you get a little specific with some ideas for me?
0: Absolutely. So there are a heap again of kind of evidence-based ideas we know improve people's joy. Um, nature, so things that are green or blue seem to really boost our positivity levels. So getting out for a walk in the park or along a lake or by a beach or in a woods, you know, whatever's kind of near for you. But we know that nature is hugely restoring uh, when it comes to our joy. Music, music is fantastic when it comes to our joy. So, you know, I have a joy playlist on my iPhone and uh, when I need a little jolt. Of Joy. I pick a tune from there. Um, if no one's around, I get my dancing groove on <laughs> ah. or I sing very loudly and out of tune. <laughs> um, cool. But just to enjoy the music in whatever way makes it work for you. Other people, uh, provided that they're people that are positive for us, just catching up and connecting can be a jolt of joy. Um, you know, talking to them about what uh, we're enjoying at the moment, asking that question of them hey, what's working well for you right now? What are you looking forward to? What's exciting about coming up that's coming up for you. Those kind of conversations naturally create this flow of positive emotion uh, in most cases, for example. Uh, Exercise. So exercise, we know, huge one. Meditation or mindfulness practices are other really effective ones. But really a jolt of joy is anything that puts a smile on your face. And you will have these already in your life, but how intentionally are you reaching for them, I guess, is the question. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And those are some great ideas that a lot of times we just don't think about these things when we are in that that place that um, there's so many people who suffer as we speak from depression or anxiety or even addiction. And when you're deep in the darks place, you just don't think about um, jolts of joy very often so
0: absolutely and we know from the research for example that exercise when you are depressed even just basic walking mm-hmm. is as effective as medication If for many people so it's just that uh yeah alternating some of those approaches and just understanding neurologically that these moments of joy do something very important for our brain so what we've found is that when we're experiencing these heartfelt positive emotions like joy or interest pride amusement love for example, they actually broaden our minds so that we can see more of what's going on around us. They expand our field of peripheral vision to about 75% versus 15% when we're in a neutral or negative mood. Um, They help uh, flood our brains with the feel-good chemicals of dopamine and serotonin. So we're more creative. We're better at thinking outside of the box. We generally do better on complex problem solving and analysis. And they help us feel more connected to people because they make our brains feel safe. So we tend to think a bit more about about we and a little less about me. <laughs> and
1: mm-hmm. not only
0: that, but over time, they're a bit like money in the bank for a rainy day. It seems the more of these positive emotions that we accrue, they help to build our resources intellectually, socially, psychologically, and physically, leaving us more resilient for life as well. Mm-hmm. So, really good things happening in our brains as we experience
1: these emotions. So, those neurotransmitters are, are getting a workout
0: absolutely they're firing up and doing what they do best
1: beautiful beautiful can you explain appreciative intelligence I see that term around positive psychology what is that
0: Yeah, so appreciative intelligence and appreciative inquiry is really recognising that our brains are naturally wired with a negativity bias, which means we tend to see the worst in situations, in people, in what's unfolding with us. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a very um, effective mechanism of our brain. And it's how we've survived as a species for so long, Mm -hmm. was by looking at what was going wrong and feeling that very evolutionary pull to try and fix it. The challenge is in modern life, of course, there aren't too many saber-toothed tigers or genuinely life-threatening situations that we need to be that alert for or um, that reactive to. And so what we want to try and do is perhaps balance out that negativity bias of our brains by putting in our appreciative eyes a little more and trying to look as much for what's working well. What's working well and how do we build on that? So the reason we want to do that again is about working with our brains, that the things that are working well, the strengths we have in our ourselves, the strengths we have in our systems and our cultures around us are actually wired to work that way for good reasons. Our brains have, you know, built up those neural pathways over time or our systems have been designed around those strengths. And so we see much better return on our efforts if we can build on what's working well rather than trying to fix what's not. And so it doesn't mean, again, we ignore what's not working, but we suggest that most of us spend about 80% of our time looking at what's not working and only 20% of the time building on what is and an appreciative intelligence or looking at things through an appreciative inquiry lens means flipping that equation and trying to spend about 80 percent of our time looking for things that are working and finding ways to build upon those strengths and 20 percent of our time addressing genuine weaknesses and threats head on absolutely but being realistic about the time and effort it really takes to create change in those areas
1: Mm, okay okay i love that idea i mean it's just and i love how it's just so uh researched and scientifically based but i want to throw this out at you because you did you mentioned that your dad recently passed and Mm -hmm. um i wrote a book (laughs) about grief and healing Mm -hmm. from um the loss of a child many years ago and and a lot of uh my return my book is called back to happy so a lot of Mm -hmm. my return to a place of sort of uh contentment happiness where i could actually feel that joy again um was about incorporating some of these practices into it. But also, there, there were a lot of mysterious things that came in, <laughs> and, and I attribute it to um, the great mystery out there. So yeah. spirituality, where does that fall into play when we're talking about positive psychology? Because it does seem like such a science, and it, it almost is the antithesis of, of spirituality.
0: Yeah, well, I think actually spirituality is getting more scientific as time ah, goes on. I totally I mean, agree. In terms of Seligman's yeah. sort of framework under that meaning pillar, um, there's absolutely the positive difference we make, but there's also the sense that we are connected to something bigger than ourselves. And so be it religion, be it your own form of spirituality, absolutely sits within that pillar of his well-being framework. Um, a huge number of actually uh, religious scholars working in the field of positive psychology and measuring what faith does for us uh, in terms of well-being, uh, in terms of happiness. But really interesting pieces now and a lot of Seligman's new work is looking at what he calls the hope circuit in our brain. (laughs) And I actually think this ability to um, imagine forward, to feel connected to spirit, to feel connected to something greater than ourselves, we are starting to see emerging in neuroscience as what it does uh, for us neurologically and the benefits in terms of well-being that comes from it. So I love that there is that mystery about spirit, the unexplainable, the magic part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think science is starting to get closer and closer all the time, and perhaps at least understanding what that faith does for us as well. Mm -hmm. So personally, for me, it's absolutely an end. Um, And I run a female leadership program, we talk about blending the science and the spirit together. um, Because I think the two absolutely go hand in hand. But that's much more a personal opinion than a field opinion.
1: Sure, I I totally agree. I'm Um, I think we are coming close to just a total uh, intersection of science and spirit. And it's very exciting. I agree. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, so uh, I guess I'll just ask kind of a broad question. If someone is interested in, uh, or maybe I'll ask it this way, what are the main uh, benefits of someone who might be sitting in the place where you were back uh, years ago when you first started uh, researching this, this field. What are some of the benefits that someone could expect to uh, gain from, from working with someone like you or, or studying positive psychology and incorporating some of these tenants into their lives?
0: Yeah, look, the research on this is unfolding all the time. And so what we've learned over the last sort of 15, 20 years is, number one, just in terms of your own levels of energy and vitality for life. It's actually, um, for me, that was a big one, having the energy to get out of bed and mm-hmm. actually live the life I was creating for myself. Um, better relationships, um, so both being liked more by people, but also feeling like you can connect better with people. Uh, more resilience and grit, so being able to actually fall down seven times and get up up eight, as we often need to in life, so that we can achieve the things that matter to us most. Better physical health, so that we know the mind and body are so interconnected. Um, and so, uh, generally, what we see in a lot of studies is physical health improves as we also look after our mental health as well. I think it goes in the other direction, also. Yeah. Um, generally, we see people with higher levels of well being are often more successful uh, in their jobs, they often earn more money if that's something that's important to you. Um, so, there are a whole lot of outcomes but almost every sphere of life in terms of changes you might want to be creating so much of it comes from our ability to work with our brains rather than against them and to show up for life uh, with the energy with the confidence uh, that we need to be able to navigate what's unfolding in front
1: of us and for me they were certainly the big gains that I got mm, well your energy is contagious Michelle Gosh. <laughs> I, 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 I'm a believer I'm a believer so if someone's interested maybe could give us some resources to find more information and then also how, how to get in touch with you and find everything about you and your work.
0: Yeah, fantastic. So I would highly recommend head over to permasurvey.com. It's completely free. You can see where you sit across those pillars. And it's a little tool that'll help you then set some wellbeing goals for yourself for the next month or two months, three months. And then based on that, it'll give you access to a database of more than 200 different tested positive psychology interventions that you could try to reach any of those goals. And it'll ping you whatever time period you've set and say, hey, come back and measure, see what works, set the next goal. So it's a really easy way to start using these uh, practices and to see what impact they're actually having for you. If you're looking for more on my work, you can head over to michellemcquade.com. It's a website there with lots and lots of free resources and my podcast, Making Positive Psychology Work, where every week we talk to leading researchers and practitioners in the field about what they're doing, what's working, what we need to be careful of um, and how we apply these ideas.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much, Michelle. I'm, I I. feel like I know a lot more and now I want to learn even more. So I, Fantastic. I, I appreciate you. I, my appreciation <laughs> intelligence quotient has gone up so much. So. Wonderful. <laughs> it's been a pleasure talking Thank to you, Thank you so much. <laughs> Many blessings. God back at you.